Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all here this morning. Stand with me, would you, as we sing our first song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Lift it up this morning as we sing. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my side. Angels descending, bring from above, echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior. Submission, all is at rest. I in my Savior and happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior. Savior all the day long. Grace greater than our sin. Page 241. You need your books. Lift it up as we sing.
out of God's grace. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's go, Lord, in prayer this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that you've given us. Lord, you love us. Lord, uh, you just bestow your grace upon us every day. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for that. Thank you for our church family here today. Lord, pray that you just uh, be with everyone that couldn't be here. We do pray that you lift them up today. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just be with Brother Lynn as he opens the word in a little bit. Pray that you just uh, open our hearts for what you have for us today. We thank you and praise you for all you've done for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. I almost said good evening. It is not evening yet. We've got a ways to go. Good morning to all of you here at Central Baptist Church. So glad you've chosen to be with us. If it's your first time guest, first time here, I want to welcome you here to Central Baptist Church. Uh, glad you've chosen to be with us this morning. And if it is your first time, I'd like to welcome you to our welcome desk in the main lobby. We've got a gift for you. We'd love to meet you, uh, get that gift to your, in your hands and connect with you. So please, if you're a first time guest, please stop by the welcome desk to receive your gift. Aside for the choir song of this this morning uh, because with the David Corn show that we had several weeks ago, uh, we've definitely seen a large number of of people visit our church for the very first time. And it's always exciting for a church to be filled with, with guests and visitors. And I haven't had a chance to, to meet all the families that come here. Maybe today you are like them. Maybe you came to the show and, and you are trying to see what this is all about. And I recognize that if you've come here for the first time, you may be coming here for a reason. And it'd be difficult for me to be up here and, and speculate what that reason may be. But I imagine there might be a family here that is struggling in their marriage or struggling with their kids, struggling with health issues. And maybe you've come here to Central Baptist Church today or in the recent weeks thinking, maybe this church can help. And I, I'm glad that everyone is here, especially if it's first time here. But I want to make something very, very clear. There is not a single person here on staff that is brilliant enough to solve all of your problems. And I, I bet you have big problems here today. But I want to be very clear that all of us here are not experts. We're not brilliant. There's nothing special about us. But this is what you can expect at Central Baptist Church if you're visiting for the first time. We are utterly convinced that whatever your problem is, Jesus has an answer for it. That Jesus is a solution. That's why we come here. That's why we praise his name. That's why we stick to this church. Because we are convinced that there is power in the name of Jesus. And that's what we'll be singing this morning. A mother barely 20 Out there on her own A teenage boy in prison Before he's even grown The illness of a loved one Widow Church that needs revival. 
shake somebody's hand. If you see them, they've never been here, please welcome them to Central Baptist Church. As we sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Page 177, you need your books. Lift it up as we sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is Thy Faithfulness.
may be seated. All right, our ushers are here, so we'll go ahead and take our offering this morning. Brother Mike Moorhead, would you ask God to bless our offering, please? Brother Mike. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Uh, it's been good to be in the house of the Lord already. Praise the Lord for the opportunity to be able to worship him. And I want to go ahead and say I really appreciated that choir special. And I know some information that you don't know. Uh, it's a shout out to Brother Matt. Uh, so this morning, uh, Brother, uh, I'm sorry, Brother uh, Steve actually gave Brother Matt a phone call. Last night he gave him a little heads up. Hey, just got a phone call. I got to possibly go out. Don't know how long it's going to take. And he got a phone call this morning at 7 o'clock saying uh, Brother Steve wasn't able to be here. Well, that's problematic because Brother Steve was supposed to be singing the lead in this choir number. And so there was no other song to be sung, and uh, Brother, Matt step, Brother Matt stepped up, amen? And I'll be honest with you, I'm glad he did. I needed to hear that song today, amen? And uh, praise the Lord for that. Yeah, go ahead and give him a hand, why not? 
He's paying me good money to say I might as well get my money's worth out of it. But uh, now we praise the Lord for that. And uh, what a blessing this morning. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming today. And uh, we're so thankful for how God is blessing our church recently. Uh, we are just getting just a flow of his grace. Amen. And uh, we're very thankful for the many guests that we're having. A matter of fact, if this is your first time with us, thank you so much for coming and uh, being a part of this service. Uh, we hope that today's service is a blessing to you. Uh, we do want to also say that we are sorry that our pastor is not able to be here. Uh, he sometimes gets the opportunity to be able to speak elsewhere. Uh, this week, he's had a busy week. Uh, he got to start out in, I think it's Tampa, Florida, uh, at the GIBF meeting. Then he drove up to South Carolina and did a couple's retreat up there. And then now is staying over uh, this morning, this evening, to be able to preach over there at Michael Jones's church, uh, Oakwood Baptist Church there in South Carolina. So uh, please do be in prayer for our pastor. But I'll just simply say this, like I always like to say, uh, he's going to want to meet you. If you are a first-time guest, uh, may this be your first time, but not your last time. We would like to have you come back. I know without a doubt that he would love to be able to meet you. You're also going to want to be able to sit underneath the preaching uh, of his word, and I'm telling you, he does a great job with it. So please make sure you come back. I know he would greatly appreciate that. Well, I have the privilege, therefore, to preach God's word. And uh, we're going to be starting a new series. Whenever I preach on Sunday mornings, uh, we're going to be going through the book of James. I thought that would be a great book for this theme, Resilient. Now, for you that have been around for a while, you know many years ago, I went through the book of James. I want you to know, I want to get this right out here, that this is not going to be a rehashing of that former series. I might pull a little bit uh, from that series, but this is going to be a relook. I think it's going to be not only good for you, but good for me, and I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to be in James chapter 1. I'm really excited about it this morning. James chapter 1, right after this special.
Well, James one, go ahead and stay seated. Stay seated, I saw some of you making the move. Uh, stay seated, and I think you're gonna find out why. But James chapter one, and we're gonna look at verse one. You ready? Here we go. Hope you're ready for this long reading. James one, verse one. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all we're covering today. That lets you know God's word is rich. If we can spend literally an entire message on a little phrase of God's word, it's rich. Amen. Let me go read it again since it's so short. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember when my wife and I first got married, uh, she had to do something right out of the gate that was quite challenging. For you that are teachers, you know student teaching is tough, right? Uh, you're cutting your teeth, you're learning the ropes. And uh, she went to this school, and the school was, it was a very uh, impressive school. Uh, matter of fact, it was an elite school. And uh, so she was supposed to, as you know, as a student teaching uh, situation, you're underneath a teacher, okay? Uh, basically, you're on a tightrope, but you have a net. And so this teacher is going to show you the ropes, going to show you the ins and the outs of how to handle a class and kind of give you some responsibilities. Well, the problem, though, was this teacher the previous year had stolen frums from the yearbook. And she was found out, and it was brought to light. And she freaked out and she had a breakdown. And then all of a sudden one day she didn't show up for work. So now my wife, all the responsibility is thrown upon her. You, you ever hear the phrase baptism by fire? That's exactly what happens. Uh, she is responsible for five classes, 150 students. And, uh, and again, this is an elite school. They knew their stuff, and they knew that they knew their stuff. Matter of fact, uh, my wife always used to laugh. So this school would sometimes play another school in sports, like, for instance, maybe in basketball. And whenever they would start losing, they would do this chant, that's all right, that's okay, you are all going to work for us one day. That's what they would do, right? <laughs> so they knew that they knew their stuff. Well, to make matters worse, so my, my wife... Fortunately, she has the goods. The professor that was over her was nationally known. He's like, hey, if anybody can do it, Ginny can do it. And so, but that didn't make the job easy. And one of the classes that she had was the honor class. And it was in that honor class that there were three teenage boys one day that they thought they would test her mettle. They gave her a hard time. Man, they made her day difficult. When she came home, I was still a new husband, but I could see this one. This one was pretty obvious. She was rattled. So I'm like, hey, honey, are you okay? What's, what's going on? She was like, oh, I'm fine. But I could tell that when she said she was fine, it was like that stereotypical. She wasn't fine. So I, I pressed a little bit more. She was, well, it was, it was just tough. One of the classes, it was really hard. There were three teenage boys that really made my day difficult. I said, well, how'd you handle them? She told me. And I'll be honest with you, I thought she went soft. I'm like, wait, that's all you did? Yeah, I, I didn't want to make it personal. And I said, honey, I said, it's not about you making it personal. It's positional you do realize that that principle has endowed you with power and expects you to wield that power in that class. You, you are the teacher now. You are in charge. I felt like I was giving like a rousing speech of a king before an army before a battle, right? You are going to go back to that school. You are going to divide and conquer. You're going to pull those guys out one at a time. Tell them who you are, who they are, and how they're going to handle themselves the rest of this semester. And you know what my wife did the next morning? She woke up. She went and did her makeup different, and she had like four streaks of war paint across her face, right? <laughs> I, I may be exaggerating a little bit, but that's the attitude that she had. And she went back to that school. You know what she did? 
she went and she divided and conquered. She pulled those guys out one at a time and said, this is how you're going to handle yourself for the rest of the semester. I am I clear? And they're like, yes, ma'am. And you know what? It worked. They did not have, she did not have one more problem out of those three teenage boys. Why did it happen? Because she figured out who's, I'm sorry, who she was and she matched it with what she did. Did you catch that? She figured out who she was and she matched it with what she did. Why do I bring this up this morning? As we start this series in the book of James, I love how he starts this letter to these brethren, to these believers that they're, they're scattered, they're, they're rattled, they're confused. They're not handling the difficulties that the world is throwing at them. What I love here is that James starts out quite subtle. Some people would call it insignificant, but I'm telling you, it's not insignificant at all. He's letting them know that he knows who he is, but more importantly, whose he is. Understand this today, that that is the place that a person has to start if they're going to have a resilient faith in a difficult world. I want to look at that this morning with you. Before we do, let's ask God for his help. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be able to preach this message that you laid upon my heart. Some might laugh. How in the world are you going to be able to preach an entire message off of a phrase? Father, your word is so rich, so deep. Sometimes all we've got an opportunity to be able to, to look at is a phrase in your word. But Father, I believe that this phrase, this introduction to this letter is significant. And I pray, Father, that as we look at it, Lord, that you would challenge hearts, Lord, that you would alter courses. Lord, as you've heard me even pray in private, I'm praying today that someone's eternal destiny is impacted because of what they hear from the power of your word. And Father, for we that are saved, Father, that our lives would be impacted with the, the course that we're running. And Father, I pray that you would just do whatever you choose to do in the time that we have. We'll give you the praise ahead of time. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at again at verse 1. James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. A small introduction to this letter, but I think it bears significant meaning. As we look at this, first of all, I want you to note that James is the author of the book. You're like, wow, this is deep already. Right out of the gate, Brother Lynn, you are showing that you did some study this week. But, but I want you to understand, this is James. And you know what James, who James is? Because there's quite a few James in the Word of God. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. Did you know that? Man, you're going to kill it in Bible trivia when you have that group again, all right? This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. You may be saying, it doesn't say that, and that is what is impressive. I love this. James doesn't name drop. I love that. Have you ever come across a name dropper before? Remember the first time I came across a name dropper that stood out to me. Uh, I was early in my ministry here at Central. We were actually in the other building. We had a preacher come by. He had called us. It sounded like he had some great recommendations. That's at least the, the impression that we were given. And he comes and he preaches. And I don't know if you remember this, but this guy, as he gets up and preaches, he does very little preaching. He does a whole lot of infomercial, though. He, he brought, we allowed him to put up a table out in the foyer, and he had a bunch of stuff on the table, and he was pawning this and pawning that, and uh, just really trying to offload all the various things that he, he came with. And at the end of the service, as, as everybody filed out, he came up to pastor and me. He's like, hey, I just want you to know, your people barely bought anything at my table. He's miffed. 
Now, being the gracious pastor that we have, oh, I'm so sorry. Maybe we can buy some of the stuff. So we kind of started sifting through some of his material. When all of a sudden he had a gleam in his eye, when he found out that I was youth pastor, he's like, oh, so you're the youth pastor? I said, yeah. He says, hey, I've got this teen DVD that uh, whenever it has been shown in a church, whenever it's been shown in a youth department, there has not been one time when a teenager hasn't gotten saved. And so sure enough, man, that's, that piqued my curiosity. I'm like, done. So I bought it. I barely got home, popped it in my DVD player and started watching it. You know what I thought? This is junk. What in the world? What's, why would he have given such a strong endorsement? I don't know how in the world, if it's true, I don't know how in the world a teenager is getting saved with this type of material. And I was, I was a little miffed. I'll be honest with you, I got back to the office next morning. This guy's already there. He's actually in our foyer. He's borrowing our phone. You know what he's doing? He's getting some other speaking engagements. You know what this guy does? I overhear him as I walk in. Have you ever heard of John R. Rice? Have you ever heard of Lee Robertson? And he drops some other big names that were uh, names, you would say recommendations that could not be verified. Well, how couldn't they be verified? They were dead. <laughs> you know what he's doing though? He's dropping names. He was dropping names so as to get ahead. What I love about this, this is James, the half-brother of Jesus, and he's not dropping names. By the way, stop there for a second. He is the half-brother of Jesus. Can you imagine being in his shoes or his sandals? How tough was that? Uh, you ever grow up maybe and you looked at your sibling growing up, you're like, who do you think you are? God's gift to mankind? That's the problem. Jesus was. I mean, that's tough, right? But get this. So what I want you to key in on though this morning, though James is the half-brother of Jesus, did you know that James wasn't always a believer? Did you know that? Matter of fact, he was not just not a believer. Uh, Information points to the fact that he was actually a skeptic at the very beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. Uh, turn to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. We see here that he's a brother, but he's not a believer. And uh, he's a skeptic. And we kind of get that a little bit, right? I mean, can you imagine growing up in, in your home and you see this, this brother? I mean, you're, you're growing up with him. And, and though he's not causing any problems, he's not getting in trouble at all, it's, it's another thing to go the idea that he must be the Son of God. He must be the Messiah. So we understand that to a degree. But understand James was a skeptic. Uh, he did not believe. And he wasn't the only one. The family did not believe. Believe. But before we even get there, uh, this is well documented that there were people that were close to Jesus that had a hard time connecting the dots. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 3 that there were some friends that showed up one day and they didn't believe. They didn't believe. Uh, we don't know what type of friends they were. Were they childhood friends? Did they used to hang out and play with Jesus? It, it, maybe they're from Nazareth. It doesn't say. There's people from all over uh, that are coming to Jesus. Jesus has just ordained the 12 uh, apostles. He's going to, I'm sorry, the 12 disciples. He's actually in, endowing them with, with power, right? And so, but in this big multitude, there's some friends that show up. And the Bible says in Mark 3.21, it says, and when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him for they said, he is beside himself. It's almost like these friends are showing up like, hey, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. When his sugar gets low, he has this messianic syndrome. He thinks he's literally the son of God. We're going to go ahead and take him home now. Okay. That's literally where these guys are coming from. They, they don't believe it. But it wasn't just friends. Again, 
sadly, it was family. You're at John 7, look at verse 1. Now, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, because the Jews, look at this, sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works of that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. You know what they're doing here? They are egging Jesus on. There's a festival that's taking place in Jerusalem. They're like, go up, go to Jerusalem, go do that. Now, here's the problem. Uh, they know that the religious leaders, man, they have their crosshairs on Jesus. They've read the room. Have you ever heard the phrase, if looks could kill? Surely they know that Jesus has crosshairs on him. And the idea here is this, hey, why don't you go to Jerusalem and risk life and limb? The, the idea here in verse 4 is if you have nothing to hide, hey, if you're the real deal, then prove it. What is the foundation of this? Why are they coming at Jesus this way? Because the Bible says in verse 5, they don't believe. Isn't that amazing? Now, some of you, you think you can relate. You think you can relate. Hey, I, I had a sibling that was hard to live with, okay? Uh, I, I might be able to come alongside you and say, yeah, I, I had a sister who couldn't stand me growing up. She was two years older than me. Usually when a sister's older, they can act like a mother-like figure. Not my sister, all right? I mean, I was a pest. I was an irritant. Uh, she showed little patience towards me, even less tenderness towards me. But I'll tell you, I, I deserved it, okay? I was a pest, and I, and I was an irritant. But I will tell you, though my sister didn't have much time for me, never did she ever encourage me to do something that would in, literally end me. But that's exactly where these guys are. They're literally encouraging him to take part in something that would possibly harm him, right? Again, I wasn't perfect, but Jesus was. Now, why is this happening? Well, I think, first of all, envy. Haven't we all struggled with envy? Haven't you struggled with envy uh, as, as siblings and families before, right? That's nothing new. But it's not just envy. It's flat-out unbelief. How could our brother be literally the Son of God, the Messiah. And I want you to know that James is front and center here. James literally starts out as a skeptic. So it's important for us to realize that it's this James that is writing this book, and he wants us to know that something has happened. He once was a skeptic, but notice next, James is now a servant. Friends, he's now a believer. He, he's also a follower. He goes, though, from being a skeptic to a servant. He doesn't just know who he is, but I love this. He knows who he, whose he is. I love that. By the way, notice where he directs his life of service. Again, it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, understand, as James is saying this, there's a lot of Jews and a lot of Romans that would have no problem with the very first part of that statement. Hey, he's a servant of God. Hey, great, great. You serve God? Hey, you serve your God. Kudos to you. But did you notice James doesn't stop there? He says, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, that is where the rub is. That is actually the problem. And did you happen to see the title that James gives Jesus? Do you see it? Lord. Is it capitalized in your Bible? It better be or get a different Bible, okay? 
and, and know this, I'm not going to get into the weeds, I'm not going to give you all the explanation behind this, but this actually points back to a title in the Old Testament. Whenever you see the Lord in all caps in the Old Testament, what is it referring to? Yahweh, right? Jehovah, the, the title for God himself. In other words, James is what he's saying here is Jesus is God in the flesh. He's not a God among gods. No, he is God and God alone. That is the title that James is giving Jesus. But notice the little small word before the Lord. You see it? It's the word the. In other words, he's not a Lord. He is the Lord. The word Lord here is curios. It means supreme authority, but he throws a the in front of it. He is the supreme authority. Now, did you know, I found this very interesting in my study, did you know that the Roman government, back when they were in charge of basically the known world, did you know that they were one of the most liberal governments around? Man, they were very gracious, if you will, very tolerant to their provinces and their various religions. Hey, hey, put up whatever temple you want. Hey, worship whoever you want, but this is one thing that we require of you. You will offer a pinch of incense, and you will declare Caesar as Lord every year. Do what you want. Serve who you will. Uh, worship whatever God you want, but you will every year at least offer a pinch of incense and declare Caesar as Lord. Do you see how problematic that was? They, they didn't just encourage it, friends. They... They enforced it. And the problem was there were many, many believers that would not even offer a pinch of incense and declare that Caesar was Lord. Why? Because he was not their supreme authority. No, Jesus is Lord. And know this, that all they had to do was say two words in the Greek, curios, Caesar. And they wouldn't do it because it was curios, Jesus, Jesus is Lord. And hear this, and they died because of it. Can you imagine that? They died because they were unwilling to literally offer just a small pinch of incense and just say two words. But they wouldn't do it, and they died brutally and sometimes sensationally. And by the way, can I tell you that our world hasn't changed? Do you realize today that our world does not have a problem with you saying Jesus is a Savior? You know, they, they don't have a problem with it. Hey, you can say Jesus is a Savior. Hey, you can put him on the list with all the other Saviors and gods and deities. Throw him on the list. But friends, he doesn't deserve to just be on the list. He is the Lord. Amen. And understand that is exactly where the line is crossed. We do not believe that he is a Savior. Today we believe that he is the Savior. Did not Jesus Christ say that? He didn't hide his cards from us, right? John 14, 6, I am the way. The truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so James was a servant of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I love about that also is he doesn't get in by the, just the skin of his teeth. No, he has skin in the game. He allows us literally to impact his everything. 
He goes all in. Matter of fact, he actually ends up not looking for it, but he ends up being one of the big players in the early church. He becomes one of the leaders among the leaders. You might recall that at one time there was a little bit of discussion of how we handle the gospel here with this sort of people, and there's this council. Guess who's at the head of the council? It's James. You might recall that time that Peter was miraculously saved out of prison, and the first person that he wants uh, to know about this is, hey, please tell James. We also find out through uh, tradition that James is called James the Just because of his devotion to God and his devotion to people. His, his knees literally looked like camel's knees. Why? Because he was always getting down on his knees and doing intervention in prayer to God and for his people. This is James, and he even ends up becoming a martyr for the faith. Can I tell you, it changed everything. He went from thinking that Jesus was a joke to I'm going to literally live for Jesus with my very life. He completely changed. It kind of comes back to where Paul speaks of in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He was transformed. That word of the Greek is metamorphosis. Now, if you have been at church for any length of time, you've heard preachers use this as an illustration. You might even think that it's an overused illustration, but I tell you, it doesn't get any better than this example. But I will also say, I don't think that preachers have actually gone far enough. You've all heard about how the caterpillar metamorphoses, metamorphosizes into a butterfly, right? Uh, but have you ever watched one of those time-lapse uh, cameras that actually show you what actually takes place? Know this, that what happens to the butterfly doesn't start on the outside. That's a moth. A moth, a, a caterpillar to a moth, the, the caterpillar will spin this cocoon. It all starts on the outside. But if it's a beautiful butterfly, no, no, no. It doesn't start on the outside. It starts on the inside. By the way, it's not by works that we are saved, but it's the work of Jesus Christ in us. I, I could preach a message just right there, uh, right then. But understand this. It's not a moth we're talking about. We're talking about a butterfly. And if you're going to turn into a butterfly, it all starts on the inside. I watched a video just recently about it, just to kind of prepare for this. So this caterpillar is doing its own thing, eating all these leaves, and all of a sudden it stops. It connects to a twig, and all of a sudden it goes totally still. But again, with, with one of those time-lapse cameras, all of a sudden, all this stuff starts happening. You can tell the, the body starts like uh, riveting and, and, and uh, convulsing inside. There's a lot going on inside the caterpillar. And that's when it happens. Literally, it busts almost from the inside to the outside. It is not for the faint of heart, okay? If you are easily disturbed and maybe you're about to eat some type of meal, don't watch this, okay? All of a sudden, it busts from the inside to the out, and it forms what's called a chrysalis. And then again with that chrysalis, again with a time-lapse camera, you'll start seeing, again, all of this activity that's going on on the inside when all of a sudden it busts open and there is a completely different creature. You're like, yeah, we've heard about it. Don't not be impressed by this. Don't be unimpressed by this. He, they turn into a completely different creature. They go from being earthbound to heavenbound. They, they go from eating leaves to drinking sweet nectar, right? They are completely changed. Their very nature is changed. That is a great picture of what the Lord Jesus Christ did in you. If you are a believer today, he changed you 
from the inside out. And we look at James' life, man, look at the change. He went from being hostile to servile. He went from opposing Jesus literally to serving Jesus. What was the change, man? How did, how did James go from literally being a skeptic to a servant? I'll tell you how. The resurrection. Did you know that? That was literally, most writers believe, it was the resurrection that was finally the last straw. It crossed the final T, it dotted the final I for James. He saw his brother resurrect. Uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, this is an, an incredible account. I won't be able to do this, this passage justice at all. But uh, the Bible tells us some things that happened when Jesus, he died, but he didn't stay dead. <laughs> he arose from the grave. And, and notice how he makes it very clear to many people. The Bible says in verse 3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. Note that. But some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And I'll just simply say, wow. And that is like the best I told you so ever. I don't think that Jesus did that. But can you imagine him showing up and going, surprise? You ever wonder why I didn't look like dad? Same mother, different father. Can you imagine? Right? But it's literally at that moment, he's like, James was forced to deal with the reality. He had heard the same messages, right, that other people had heard, that Jesus constantly pointed mankind to him. And by the way, he hasn't stopped. He never points us to us. He always points us to him. He's the answer, as Brother Matt said earlier today, right? And so he has to deal with this reality. My brother literally died. I wasn't there, but I heard about it. And those Romans are always good at executions. They make sure that the person before they come off the cross, they're dead. I know that he died, but here he stands in front of me and it literally changed his world. It altered his worldview. He had to believe. Now, maybe today or maybe someone watching via live stream would say, yeah, okay, I get that. That, that would probably change my perspective, but hey, hey, Lynn, we can't see Jesus today. And I would beg to differ. I would beg to differ. Uh, I, I believe today that we can see the impact of Jesus everywhere. And I, I believe that we can see Jesus in us. That's why this guy is standing behind the pulpit today. I came across a, a faith in my aunt and uncle. I saw Jesus in them. I couldn't run anymore. I couldn't ignore it. They, they were different. And I knew why they were different. You know what? And I believed. Amen. I believe. There's a person in this room today, one of my heroes, my mom. I know what her life used to be. And I know what her life is today. It's because she came across Jesus. I, I can see Jesus in people. Can you see Jesus in people? I realize that there's some bad examples, but don't you ignore the great examples. Jesus is showing himself in the lives of people all the time. I believe you have to work hard to be a skeptic today. Jesus shows himself in people. Jesus that has radically changed people's lives. They are not the people they used to be. My friend, you 
are going to have to deal with the reality that the Bible declares that Jesus was dead, hear me, but he is alive t- today. And, uh, and I, I love how God handles this even. Uh, God doesn't make it so it's hard to verify. Hey, hear me. If you're trying to start a cult, don't do it this way. You realize that God's actually dropping names in places. As a matter of fact, as I just read a moment ago, that when Paul's writing what he writes here in 1 Corinthians, those eyewitnesses, many of them still are literally walking the streets. They will say, they will declare, I saw Jesus. They are eyewitnesses that Jesus was dead and that he is alive again. And I love that. He doesn't try to hide this reality from us. Hear me today. You might be a skeptic. But at least be honest that if you'll do the work, you might actually find the truth just as we have found the truth. He once was dead, but he is alive again. Now, there might be some people, sometimes I'll come across a person like, yeah, but can we even verify that Jesus ever existed? Now, just quit. Just, just stop, okay? You're, you're, you're trying to talk so smart, you sound stupid, all right? Hey, I'm not trying to get in your grill, but there is Jesus has more documentation on him than anybody in this known world. And, and newsflash, he changed the world. I, I don't have to tell you all the different ways that literally Jesus coming into this world and how literally all these things have come out of the very life of Jesus. Even honest skeptics would say we can argue whether his claims were real, but we can't argue that he was real. All right? Argue whether his claims were real, but hey, come on, quit. You can't argue that he was real. But I would say this, if you're an honest skeptic, hey, that's okay. James started out as a skeptic. Can I encourage you? Hey, your soul is riding on this. Hey, this, this is kind of important. If what the Bible says is true, there's a heaven. There's a hell. There's a hell to shun. And there's a heaven that awaits you, right? And so can I encourage you? Hey, if you're a skeptic, that's fine. Do the work. There's, there's stuff out there. Do the work. But I, can I give you a little bit of a warning? If you do the work, don't be surprised if you too become a believer. Do you know that there's some scholars out there, some, some great minds that started out as skeptics, and they did the work. They actually put in the time. They actually did the study, especially in the world that we live in. When you, when you deal with people that are being, um, they're, they're being honest with the material that's laid in front of you, if you do the work, don't be surprised if you too will become a believer. There's, there's people out there like C.S. Lewis, Josh McDowell, Lee Strobel. In other words, these guys aren't lightweights intellectually. And don't forget James. They ended up believing. And can I tell you that God isn't trying to hide the truth from you. If you truly seek him, know this today, you'll find him. God is not trying to hide the truth from you. Turn, turn it with me to Acts 26. Acts 26. And as you're turning to Acts 26, uh, let me give you a little bit of the background of what's going on in Acts 26. So Paul also started out as a skeptic. Remember that? Um, Saul of Tarsus, right? Um, this guy was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. This guy, he was a hardliner. He did not believe in Jesus, and he definitely didn't believe in Jesus' followers. And so he put, he put his, his thoughts to action, and he started rounding these believers up. And he would take them to jail, and some of these people literally lost their lives. He made it his calling in life. Well, one day, 
He's on the road to Damascus. He's heading to Damascus because he's heard that there's believers there. He's going to round them up. And on the road to Damascus, he comes face to face with Jesus. And I'll basically just tell you this. He drops a knee. He drops a knee and he ends up believing and his life is changed. So Paul is being given an opportunity to give this eyewitness account to two people. King Herod Agrippa II, and also this Roman official named Festus. And Festus, when, when Paul's basically done what he says, he cannot help it. And he blurts this out in verse 24. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, in other words, Paul, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. I love that. Paul's like, the fact that Jesus died and that he didn't stay dead is not a secret. The world knows this. Think about this. Now, I realize that things have changed a little bit. But back in that time, the known world, Israel was basically like an intersection there was a lot of, uh, Israel was like a hub of society. And, and Jesus, he was crucified publicly. Word spread, and not only that, uh, Jesus' believers spread into the kingdoms. And so get this, the idea is this, this is not done in secret. There's a huge following that believed that he lived, that he died, and he didn't stay dead. But what I love about James, oh, I'm sorry, about what Paul does here, Paul doesn't just play off their emotions. He actually counters their intellect. Uh, he's like, you know these things. You have heard the reports. And he even challenges the king. Look at verse 27. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. And he challenges his intellect. I know that you know. And by the way, this is intellectual faith. He, he knows that he understands the, the prophets. He understands what they basically are saying out there. And he knows also based upon this that uh, Jesus Christ aligned that with his life. And he also knows that there is literally a kingdom that has gone nuts because they claimed, he claimed that he was God, that he died, and he didn't stay dead. King Agrippa, you know what I'm talking about. I love that. Paul challenges him. You know it. You know it. Well, you remember what the next part is? King Agrippa is like, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. But you know what happens? It doesn't happen. He doesn't want to believe. You'll come across some people that will bob and weave. And they will do their dead level best not to believe no matter what. You know what? I think of C.S. Lewis going back to him. Did you, did you know that C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest minds of the past century, and he struggled. He did not want to believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that he needed to place his faith in Jesus Christ as a Savior. He did everything within him. Matter of fact, there's a movie out right now. Uh, I think you can actually get it uh, via uh, uh, video demand. But uh, it's called this, The Most Reluctant Convert. And that was basically C.S. Lewis. Man, he kicked and he screamed. He didn't want to believe, but before long, he couldn't help but believe. He's like, all the facts point to the fact that Jesus is literally the Savior. And he puts his faith in Jesus Christ. 
He makes him his savior. Then he writes a book. Now, he wrote many, many books, but this book literally is tethered to that decision to put his faith in Jesus Christ. And the title of this book, I love it. It's this, Surprised by Joy. (laughs) You know what he thought? He thought he was going to be disappointed if he put his faith in Jesus, and he found out it wasn't disappointing. And friends, can I tell you today, Man, you think, man, uh, I, I, I need to actually be at the helm. I need to be at the controls. And man, if I, if I give my life over to the Lord and receive Jesus Christ as my, my life, man, it's going to mess things up. And I'm telling you what, you haven't lived life yet. Until you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be surprised by joy. And can I tell, the, tell you this? I'll come alongside you. And it's okay. It's okay if you're a skeptic. It's, it's okay even if you've opposed Jesus, man, you have been somewhat hostile to him. Know this, James was as well. But finally, James could not help but believe. And I invite you, I I don't know, again, I don't know if we have any skeptics here today. I I bet you there's some skeptics on live stream for sure. But, but, But maybe, maybe you've come to the place where you're like, you know what, man, I, I want this. I, I have seen enough. I can't, I, I can't ignore the faith of these around me. And the Lord has been drawing me. Hey, today I would encourage you to believe. But to have that happen, you've got to come to grips with some things. First of all, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're like the rest of us. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know what that means? Uh, that word sin means to miss the mark. God has a mark. You know what that mark is? Perfection. How you doing? How you doing? Yeah, we've all significantly failed from God's standard. We're all sinners. Now, it's true that there are some better at, at it than the rest of us, right? You got some serial killers, you got some murders, you got some rapists, but all of us are in the same category, and God's standard is perfection, and none of us have achieved that standard. I got good news for you, though. God knew that. And God, out of his love, sent Jesus on a rescue mission. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God sends Jesus Christ to this earth on a rescue mission. And the first thing he does for you, look, look at this, he lives for you. He met God's standard for you. He lived the very life that you couldn't live. But we still got a problem. We're down here. We're still in this category of sin, and this sin has consequence. It brings death. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And by the way, that's not referring to physical death. It involves physical death, but it actually points to spiritual death, being separated from God in a place called hell. we got a problem. We're all sinners. The consequences of our sin leads us to hell. Jesus knew that as well. He didn't just live for us, friends. He died for us. I love that. But God committed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Don't you love that? Aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ didn't die for us at our best? He was willing to die for us at our worst. What I love about it, he didn't stay dead, right? He arose three days later, defeating sin and death, and now offers us eternal Life, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift of eternal life. You cannot earn it. You don't deserve it. All you can do is receive it. And when we do, John 1, 12, as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, the children of God. What do you have to do? You have to receive it. 
You have to receive the pardon of God. And the day that you do hear this, you'll be saved. No longer bound for hell. Now you're bound for heaven. Why? Because the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever, doesn't matter, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I came across that reality. I thought I was fine, minding my own business. My aunt one day grabs a Bible, gives me the gospel. I thought I was on my way to heaven because of the decent kid that I was. And I realized, no, I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And that day I was smart enough to realize, take your faith off of yourself, Lynn, and put your faith solely and squarely upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And that day I believed. That day I received, and get this, and I'm heaven bound. Are you heaven bound today? You once were earth bound, now you're heaven bound. Has your very nature changed? You once were an unbeliever, and now you are a believer. You once were a, chi a child of disobedience, the Bible says, and now you are a child of the king. Has God done that work? If not today, can I encourage you, put your faith in him. James did. James did. And that ought to give us great hope. Have you ever been like me? Sometimes I'll, I'll look at a family member, and I'm like, man, they're just, they're, they're just never going to believe. It's not that they just don't not believe, but they, they oppose. It's like they oppose Jesus. But James did as well, and he believed. Hey, I, I hope that gives you hope today. Yes, even that family member can believe. Don't give up. Keep looking to the Lord. But James believed, and he ends up knowing not just who he was, but whose he was. And he was convinced that no matter what this world could throw his way, Jesus has saved him. He was heaven bound. And he was going to live for the one who died for him. And this made all the difference in the world. Can I tell you how James's life ended? He ends up dying in a brutal way. There were some people that were not happy. A mob ensued, grabbed James, took him up on the temple, and threw him off. Sadly, he didn't die. You know what he did? He crawled up onto his knees and did what he had done so many times, and he prayed for those that were literally trying to kill him. When all of a sudden, a guy comes with a club and ends him. I love the fact that here is a man who had a faith that was resilient. Even being thrown off a temple wouldn't stop him. I don't know about you. I want that type of faith. I want to have a resilient faith. Well, in closing today, I have just two questions real quickly. And I want you to be honest this morning with me. Number one, have you had a personal encounter with Jesus? Has there been a time in your life when you had a turning point? You, you came across the reality, man, I'm, I'm going the wrong way. Man, this, this, this is not the way that I'm supposed to be going. And, and all of a sudden, maybe you heard about Jesus. Maybe you saw Jesus in somebody's life. But you realize, this is the way I need to go. I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior. Have you invited Jesus Christ in your life. Have you been honest with the Lord? Have you said, I'm a sinner? Jesus is a Savior, and I want him to save me. I want him to change me. I hope that's the case. But if not, why not today? Put your faith in Jesus Christ. How about this one? Do you know who you are? You're like, yep, Brother Lynn, I am one of those. I know that I'm a Christian. I'll say, praise the Lord. Next question, do you know whose you are? Are you a servant? You're saved. I praise the Lord for that. But are you serving God with the life? Uh, he died for you. Are you living for him? Now, 
Don't allow yourself to be off, uh, have an off-putting thought process towards being a servant. Hey, we all serve something or someone. Have you not noticed that? There are times when we serve money, we serve career, we serve success, we serve entertainment, we serve comforts, right? We are hardwired to throw our time, our energy, our resources into things that we think are worthy of our service. And I will declare to you in closing today, He is worthy. Who are you today? Important to know. Whose are you today? And that's the question that's worth answering. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. Lord, thank you, Father, for the opportunity. Lord, to be able to give this, this message. And Lord, I, I would pray, as you heard me pray in private, that if there is somebody who has yet, and they, they would be honest with themselves, they've never put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Dear God, help them, Lord, to make that decision. Help them to transfer that faith to to no longer trust themselves and their own ability to get to heaven, but that they would trust solely and only in what Jesus Christ did on the cross on their behalf. Father, I pray that they would make that decision today. Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, we're so thankful that, that James knew who he was. That's great, Lord. But he also knew whose he was. And he allowed himself to go from being a skeptic to a servant, completely changed. It altered how he did life. And Father, I pray that there would be some today that would say, Lord, I, I want that. I want to serve you with my life. Maybe they're going to come. Maybe they want to come and re-up. Lord, it's important for us. Sometimes we've, we've made that decision, but sometimes we kind of get off a little bit. And we need to sometimes re-enlist and maybe someone would want to come today and be able to say, Lord, I, I, want, I want to once again live for you with my life. Lord, I got this in my life right now. I got this in my life. These things are distracting me. Today, I re-enlist. I want to serve you with my life. Lord, we give you the praise for what you choose to do in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'd go ahead and like to encourage you. If God has spoken to your heart today, uh, we have the altar here, and uh, maybe you have a pew right there. But if God has specifically spoken to your, to your heart today, I encourage you, bow the knee. Bow the knee. If, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I've got a couple of men up here on the front row. Uh, come forward. Uh, I'll guide you to them. And then if you're a lady, they'll guide you to another lady. If you're a man, they'll take you out of the room. They'll actually take the word of God and show you how you can know without a doubt that your sins are forgiven, that you're on your way to heaven. But I encourage you today, if God has spoken to your heart today, you come as we sing. Out of my bondage, sorrow and night, Jesus, I come, Jesus, I come into thy freedom, gladness and light. Jesus, I come to thee out of my sickness into thy health. closed. Uh, sometimes this is challenging. We're, we're used to this. We're used to people uh, moving, coming forward, bowing, sometimes sitting back in their pew and praying. Uh, we're used to this, uh, but sometimes people come into an auditorium like this and it's 
Well, to be honest with you, it's intimidating. Good, good sized group, filled sanctuary. Uh, I, I felt as if just a moment ago, someone was about to step forward into the aisle and they locked up. And I think it's just because of the fact that, again, this is a good sized group. But can I say this today? Your eternity is too important. And uh, the enemy will try to steal this truth from you. You're like, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. And sometimes later never comes. And I would encourage you to make that decision now. So if you're that person, can I encourage you? Uh, maybe right now, maybe just look at me. All right. Yep, exactly. And I would encourage you, maybe if you just go out the back door, uh, if one of the ladies would be able to actually talk with her, if you'll just go out the back door, someone will actually take the word of God and share with you without a doubt that you are on your way to heaven. My wife's leaving right now out the back. And if you would like to be able to make that decision, can I encourage you, step out in faith. Yes, yes. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? If you, if you want to get saved today, just go out that back door. I'll send some men your way, some ladies your way. Eternity is too important. Believe today, believe now. We'll go ahead and let the piano continue to play as some are still at the altar. Out of my shameful failure and loss, Jesus I come, Jesus I come into the glorious gain of thy cross. Jesus I come to Amen. Look this way. Well, in regards to some announcements, just a reminder that on March 4th, this Saturday, uh, there'll be the Man Up Club. And of course, that's for children. If you have any question uh, for the young boys, uh, see Brother Matt uh, that night. Uh, they're going to be learning about archery. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, so please do note that. Uh, March 9th, uh, we have a Disco Discovering Church membership. Uh, we're so thankful for all the different guests that are coming. There have been some that have asked, actually asked about, so how do you become a member? And so we're going to have the Discovering Church membership, uh, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday from 5 to 8. We're going to start in the Family Life Center, provide a really delicious meal, and then you're going to go upstairs, and pastor's going to give you information about our church's history, our church's direction, and also answer any questions that you might have. So please uh, do note that. If you'd like to be a part of that, please make sure you go out in the foyer, uh, sign up for that. That's just so that we we can make sure that we have enough uh, food for that night. And then March 12th, I want to remind the deacons and trustees of the deacons and trustee meeting uh, following that evening service. And then uh, lastly, and very importantly, uh, again, we're so thankful that if you are a first-time guest with us today, uh, thank you so much for coming and being a part of our service. I want to remind you, uh, please make sure you stop by our Welcome Center. Uh, we have a gift bag waiting there for you. Just let them know that you're a first-time guest, and they'll give that to you, and that's worth grabbing. So thank you so much for coming today. And uh, we're going to go ahead and be dismissed in prayer. Brother Andy, why don't you come? Lord, we do thank you for the privilege to be in your house today. Lord, thank you for a clear uh, salvation message, Lord. 
Lord, how each of us have to come to a point where we have to, Lord, uh, accept you as our Savior. Lord, we just pray that if some here that didn't want to come, Lord, we do pray that you just have the Holy Spirit speak to them. Lord, uh, convict them, Lord. Lord, uh, bring them to you. Lord, thank you for Brother Lynn opening the word today. Lord, I pray that you would bring us back to your house this evening. Be with us, Lord, and be with us as we start this new week. Lord, that we can be a testimony for you everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.